don't know if there's a better time. I don't know that there ever is a better time than a time for revival. The time for, for a move of God. And uh, I, I believe that uh, something special is happening in our midst. I believe God is doing something significant uh, at Oak City and in our community. And uh, I really believe it's just the beginning of what we're going to get to be a part of in our family, in our community. And uh, if there's ever a time, I mean, I, I, you know, I think you could say this anytime, really. Uh, there's always, it's always the right time for revival. It's always the right time for God to move. Um, but I believe that we need it. I think our country needs it. I think we need it. Uh, I was just in worship. I was just pr- praying over myself. I'm like, God, wake me up. God, just wake me up. I want to be awakened to revive. I want to be awakened to what you're doing in the earth. And I believe that God is doing something really special in our midst. And uh, it's just the beginning. And so, Holy Spirit, we love you. I love that you're, you're in this room. I thank you, God, that you're pouring out your spirit on all flesh. On every single one of us in this room right now, you're pouring out your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we partner with what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I thank you that uh, even as I speak, I pray that hearts would be healed. I pray that bodies would be restored. I pray that minds would be renewed. I pray that, Holy Spirit, we would hear what it is that the Spirit of God is saying. Uh, God, that's our heart. We believe, I, was, I love that what we were singing earlier, is that we believe in, in God our Father. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And so we, I just pray, God, that you would move and speak as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians. If you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I, I, I'm, I'm piggybacking off of a message that I, I did last week, and I'm just going to jump into it. Um, last week I talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I did jump over chapter 2. I'm planning on speaking on chapter 2 next week, so get ready for that. Uh, but I'm going to hit chapter 3 today, and this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to read it, so hang in there with me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. <laughs> Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting? I love the way Paul accuses them of acting like humans here. Are you not acting like mere humans? For one, so, so it kind of implies that, that we should be more than mere humans, that there is something that lives inside of us, the Jesus Christ lives in us, and that he actually calls us new creations, and he's even kind of getting on them here for just being mere humans. For when, for when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Amen. God's been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-labors in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Come on. So what are we building our lives off of? What are we building our church off of? What are we building everything off of? It's Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw... 
Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Some good stuff here. If what, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only one escaping through the flames. Here's, here's where I really want to, I'm going to lean into a little bit today is verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Listen to this. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. That's kind of some strong language there. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Listen to this. Before, God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Some translations say holy. For God's temple is sacred or holy, and you, he's talking about the Corinth church, really talking about the the body of Christ. I think we obviously, he is writing this letter specifically to them, but I think this is, he's talking about the body of Christ here, that you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise, by the standard of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. That's interesting. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is of God. Um, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of good stuff in there. I, I've been um, just doing some more research on Corinthians, and man, there's a it's always fun and kind of fascinating to study the, the history of the cities, and there's just a lot in Cor- Corinth. Um, Corinth was, when you think of Greece, you usually think of Athens, but Corinth was actually, I think it was about four or five times the size of Athens. There's a lot of history. It was a very important city um, in the ancient world, and Paul founded the church on Corinth um, on his second missionary journey. So he's on his second missionary journey. He founds the church of Corinth, and he actually stays there for a year and a half. And he uses this language in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, Even if you had 10,000 guardians or teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. So Paul is not writing this letter as an outsider, but he's actually writing this letter as somebody that intimately knows this church, and he's writing them as a father. Uh, Corinthians is known as a, a pastoral masterpiece. I mean, Paul hammers a lot of stuff in Corinthians. I think it's his longest letter that he wrote, and I think it's a it's a it's a father sending writing a letter to his children. I think this is a fatherly message, and there's a Paul hits some pretty tough stuff in there, um, but there's also this uh, division that has happened in the church of Corinth. And when he was on his third missionary journey, a delegation comes to him when he's in Ephesus, and they begin to tell him what's going on in Corinth. And one of the loud messages that he receives is that there is divisions among them. And we looked up that word last week, and I want to communicate this again, that that word, when Paul says this, is in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, don't let there be any divisions among you. And that word divisions is actually uh, schisms. And schisms is not that there's... Um, necessarily it's a party or a group. A schism is, it, the, the word actually means to tear apart, to rend. And he's saying, don't, let, don't tear each other apart. Don't let there be divisions among you. 
And he goes on, and if you read even in 1 Corinthians and even in, in 1 Corinthians 3 here, you see something that he goes after, and it's pride. Because pride, if you, if you see this, pride actually creates division, and it, and it creates, obviously, disconnection. And he really brings them back to, in 1 Corinthians, not to boast in their self, but to boast in Christ. Because when we boast in self, it's auto, I think the, the natural fruit of that is that we're going to create divisions among ourselves. And then he goes on to say that some of you say you follow Apollo, some of you say you follow Paul, some of you say you follow Peter. And then he, I love this, he even says, some of you say you follow Christ. And I think it's interesting because uh, sometimes we can have the right message but the wrong heart. We might still have like, yeah, we're about the gospel and we're about Jesus, but we still have division inside of us. We're still reproducing that in our lives. And he's really making a point here that you have become too much about yourselves. And there's a lot of humility language in here. And he's saying, hey, look, don't tear each other apart. And I want to just give you some of these verses. I read these last week. I think they're there's some awesome verses here, some just other verses in other scriptures. James 4.11, it says, Do not speak evil against one another. In Titus 3.1, it says, Remind them to be submissive to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and show perfect courtesy towards all people. In Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander... <laughs> Be put away from you, along with all malice. I, I read this last week. I love it. Proverbs eleven twelve says, Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. Whoever belittles his neighbor, I just love that, lacks sense. In Luke six thirty one, Jesus talking, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. There's just this theme in Scripture about not speaking evil of others of not tearing each other apart. And obviously in the church of Corinth, they had begun to do this. And I think a natural um, product of when we start to put people down, what happens is, is we all of a sudden we get in groups. And we find other people that think the way we do about other people. And we begin to tear each other apart instead of build each other up. When God has actually given us the ministry of reconciliation, our ministry is actually to bring reconciliation, to bring healing to relationship, that this is what Jesus did. This was even Him coming from heaven to earth. His whole purpose was to reconcile us back to God. And Paul is bringing them back to, don't boast in yourself, but boast in Christ. And when we boast in Christ, and when we yield our hearts to Him, the natural product of that should be is that healing and restoration and redemption and all of that happens in our relationships. And there obviously was a lot of division among them. And so I want to go after something today. It says this in 1 Corinthians three sixteen. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, don't you love this God's protection right here? God will destroy that person. For God, that doesn't, you know, doesn't feel like the love message, you know. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. God's, that's, he's talking about you. And he's saying God's temple is sacred. Some translations say it's holy. And you together are that temple. I want to go after this today that don't lose your all in familiarity. Don't lose your all in familiarity. You know, it's interesting for us... Many of us probably grew up in a Christian home. Maybe not. Maybe this is your first time to church, and maybe, maybe that's where you are. 
But many of us, we probably grew up in, in the South in a Christian culture. We, we hear that God loves us, that God is good, and we hear all these messages. But the problem is, what, what's unfortunate is sometimes these messages, these realities can lose their punch because they become familiar to us. Because we're used to hearing that God loves me. We're used to hearing that God is good. We're used to hearing this, and so over time it loses its punch And Paul here, I think, is bringing them back to, hey, I want to remind you who you are, that you are God's temple. And it's important for us to stay, I think it's important, one, to stay in awe of who God is. And I think it's so so important because that's actually how life and revival actually flow, the movement of God. When When I become familiar with God, let me say it this way, that... Um, the movements of God happen when I stay in awe and I honor who God is. That when I'm honoring God and I'm aware of who God is, it actually puts me in a place where I'm able to move with God. But when I become familiar with God, it, it, it can actually put me into a place, and I'll give you an example in Scripture, where I can miss what God is actually trying to do. And it's a powerful thing. Jesus, There was a, a moment in Jesus' life or Jesus' ministry where he went to Nazareth. And you can go read this story, and he goes, it's his hometown, and it says, this would have been a good ministry day for me, this wasn't a good ministry day for Jesus, but it says that he was only able to lay his hands on a few people and heal the sick. But it says that he wasn't actually able to perform many miracles there because they didn't actually, they saw him, they only saw him as Joseph and Mary's boy. Isn't this the carpenter's son, I think is what, what they say? And they didn't recognize him as the Son of God. They didn't see him as the anointed one, as the Messiah. All they saw him was is what they were familiar with. And they were familiar with, this is Joseph and Mary's boy. And because of that, Jesus was not able to do many miracles among them. Which implies that if they would have honored who Jesus was, then God would have been able to do more. Do you catch that? Like, think about that. In the, that's why I love worship. It's why I like extended worship. It's why I like all of that, because sometimes it takes this head here to stop thinking, to stop moving, to stop having to be leaving another conversation, to leave another moment. And when I get into worship, sometimes I'm singing the song over and over and over and over and over again. But at some point, it begins to catch up with my heart. At some point, it begins to catch up with like, oh my gosh, I'm worshiping the God of the universe. And I start taking my eyes off of me and my own circumstances, and I put my eyes on Him. And, all, and you can feel it in a room when everybody starts to honor God. You can feel it when something happens special where it's like, man, now we're all in a place of an awe of who God is. And when that happens, the movement of God starts. And you can sense it. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful message here where Jesus was only able to do a few miracles among them because they didn't honor Him for who He was. And we, in Christian culture, like we're used to, God is good, God is love. You know, and these words come kind of, they, they can become watered down. You know, it's just human nature. I mean, y'all have ever been to the beach? Gone to the beach, Grand Canyon, something big. Usually, this doesn't always happen, but if, if I haven't, especially if I haven't been to the beach in a while, and you, you walk out, you know, usually you're on that little wooden thing, and you're kind of coming across the, you know, you're walking over the sand, and, and, and all of a sudden you come out to the ocean, and it's like this, it's, there's, a, there's a moment there where it's like, wow, that's a lot of water. <laughs> like, wow, that's a, that's a, man, I can see as far as I can that way, and I can see as far as I can that way. It even looks like the earth's kind of, you just kind of see the little curve a little bit. 
maybe there's even a boat way, and it's just like this massive, you know, you're just not, when you grow up in Alabama, you know, at least here, you're not always on an ocean. So there's a moment there where it's like, wow, like this is awesome. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, but it kind of has that same effect. You're like, this is a big hole. This is a, it's a lot bigger hole. They, they were they are no wonder they call it the Grand Canyon. Like it's it actually is pretty impressive. Um. And and there's that moment of like, oh wow, this is awesome, you know. But after you hang out for a little bit, you just don't notice it anymore. You know, it's just it's human nature. You start playing on the beach. You you kind of forget that there's this massive body of water and 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 you, you it loses its wonder. It loses its awe. And and. It takes intentionality to keep the awe. It, it takes effort. It takes, like, I actually have to, I think it's why Israel, there was the feast and the celebrations and the remembering. I think it's why we do the Lord's Supper. It's why we remember. Like, God, God is trying to bring us back. Like, He knows, you know, He created us, so He knows us. And so He knows that we need to be reminded of, of these things, of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we need to be reminded of, of who God is and how amazing He is, and how awesome He is. And it it is just fascinating that it's in that place of awe, it's in that place of honor that I would say life flows. It's in that place of where I'm I'm honoring who God is that life flows in that. And it's important that we don't just see each other, and I know I'm talking about Jesus here, as just Joseph and Mary's boy. It's important that we actually see each other, the body of Christ, as who God says that we are. It's important that, and I think Paul here, don't you know that you're the temple of God? Think about it. The context is is that they're tearing each other up. They're putting each other down. And and God is saying, or Paul is saying here, like, don't you remember? You're the temple of God. You know, you think about the temple of God. I bet if, if, if you jumped on one of Elon Musk's rockets, you headed up to outer space, and you turned around and you looked back at the earth, like it'd probably be one of those awe moments. You'd probably be like, wow, <laughs> this is pretty impressive. This earth that God created, and I mean, it's just one little ball, and <laughs> yeah, we could go into how big the universe is. And, and of all of God's creation, He decided to put Himself in His masterpiece. Of all of God's creation, I mean, you look at the earth and how magnificent, how beautiful, how powerful, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And, and all of that, God chose to put himself in you. No wonder he calls it sacred. No wonder he calls it holy. Like God, in everything that he created, in all of his beautiful creation, he decided that he was going to put himself in us and that we are the temple of God. And I mean, just, and then what do we do? We tear each other up. <laughs> you know, it's like we put each other, I'm not, you know, not us in here, of course. But, and, and it's like we are, we're the temple of God. We're the dwelling place of God. Like, what if we really, what if that, what if I really heard that? And that wasn't just, it wasn't just familiar. It wasn't something, like, I think sometimes in life, you know, if you're married or have kids or working relationships, family relationships, you know, life gets tough. I mean, you live with somebody and, and, and um, conflict can happen. <laughs> And challenges can happen. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I just want my son to do what I said to do. And then he doesn't do it. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's fr- you know, you're just like, you feel the frustration. You're like, come on. Like this, you know, it's not that, it's not that difficult to put your pants on, you know. <laughs> it's like, I mean, how many times do I have to tell you, you know. <laughs> it's probably the parenting issue. 
obviously, but um, and you get in relationship, and it's like, man, there's there's friction, there's challenges, and and I think what and there's we we become familiar, and I forget that I'm I'm actually married to the daughter of God. I forget that that. Like I actually forget that I get to raise up boys and sons who are world changers, who carry the kingdom of God, who God has given graces and gifts, and and we you know life starts happening. We we just we we can forget who who's actually in front of us, that you're actually a dwelling place for God's spirit, and that you are somebody that carries the presence of God. And again, I think Paul is just reminding them, hey, don't you don't you remember? Like you're the temple of God, you're the dwelling place of God. And that God has put Himself in us. So what do we do? You know, I, I, um, I think it's important in life, and we're growing in this as a team. Uh, we call it truthing. It's important to share the truth with each other, how we're experiencing each other, and to be honest with each other. And you need people in your life, friends, family, that can share with you how they're experiencing you. <laughs> that's, that's not always the funnest feedback. It's not always the, the nicest feedback, but we need, like we have blind spots. Like we have places in our lives where we need honesty and we need truth and love and we need community that's, that's able to speak that into our lives. And then we need to be humble enough in our own hearts to be able to receive that and, and, and do whatever we need to do in those circumstances. I don't know every circumstance is different in that. But I think within that, it's important to have a culture where we're calling out the gold in each other. It's important to have a culture where, especially in, in if you're, you're telling the truth, I think it's, it's important, it's, it's important anyway, to have a culture that is calling out the giftings and the callings and calling out who God says that you are. It's why I love that we do the prophetic. It's why I think it's one of the reasons why I think the prophetic is so powerful because we're able to see each other after the Spirit and not just after the flesh. I'm able to see you the way that God sees you. I'm able to see who God says that you are. I mean, even when we do corporate prophetic words in here, I love just listening to other people's words because this is who God says that they are. This is the way that God sees them. And we, it's so important. And I, 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 my heart for us in Oak City and that we do is that we build an encouraging culture, that we build a culture where we're calling out the gold in each other and that we're able to see each other the way that God sees us. It's so important that we do that. And I love that we have our prophetic rooms. <clears throat> you know, what would happen if we honored God well and we honored each other well? You know what I think would happen? Revival. You got high levels of honor. You got high levels of revival. You have low levels of honor. Low level, oh, you know, we just come in, don't even, you know, maybe don't even fully see who God is. You have low levels of honor. It's like there's, there's low levels of revival, except when God's just sovereign and does what he wants to do. <laughs> except God, God he, there's always the God card there, and he can do whatever he wants to do. But there is something. I think, I mean, you think about the, the verses. It says this in Ephesians, you honor your father and mother, and life will go well for you, and you'll live a long life. There's something about honor and life. There's something about when I honor who God is and I honor each, we honor each other and we see people the way that God sees them, like life flows in that. The movement of God flows in that. It's like we don't want to be like, you know, the peace, you know, Joseph and Mary, his, his hometown in Nazareth, where it's like, man, we're, 
it's interesting that you can actually be, and that's almost scary to think that, that I could stop the movement of God. That in some ways, like obviously God can overstep me and we get all that, but in some ways that he was only able to do a few miracles. He was only able, it says, to lay his hands on a few and heal. It was because they didn't see who he really was. They didn't honor him as God. And, and I mean, it's kind of understandable, you know. <laughs> they were probably still trying to figure that out. But there is a principle that comes out of that of Let's honor God well, and let's honor each other well. Let's call out the gold in each other. Let's see each other the way that God sees us. I'm going to have our team come up. Um, and I want, if you're able, can you stand? I want to... I'm going to read this verse again. First Corinthians, yeah, if you've got a ministry team, y'all can come up as well. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Let's not water that down. Like, I, I just want that to sink in for a minute. Like, God, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Like, think about that. Like, God dwells in our midst. Like, He's here with us. We're the temple of God, every single one of us. Like, we're the, this is, this is the temple of God. We're the body of Christ. We're the dwelling place of where God is and all of His creation, of everything that He created. He chose to put Himself in you and in me and dwell amongst us. And I just, I just think in my own heart, I want to do the best I can to honor God to honor Him in our midst. And listen to this. I think this is a pretty powerful statement. Like, you know that God's going to protect this. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. The reality is, is nothing can destroy the temple of God. It doesn't, you know, even all throughout history, where we are right now, like as much as persecution comes against the church or comes against whatever, it's like God's temple, God is not going to let His temple thrive and I think a lot of that is based upon how we honor him and honor each other it's so a Holy Spirit we honor your presence in this midst Holy Spirit we, we're, we're, we're honored that you're here that you're with us that that's not just religious talk it's not just cultural Christianity it's not just a theological concept it's a reality that Holy Spirit is actually in the room that God is with us and that we are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would show us how to honor you well. I pray that you would teach us, Lord. We, we want to be humble before you and learn how to honor you well and honor your presence well and honor what you're doing. And, Father, we want to honor each other. We want to see each other the way that you see us, that we are your masterpiece. God, that we, it actually says it, Paul says it, that this is, this is sacred, that this is special that this is different, that this, there's something special about this, and it's actually what everybody in the world is longing for, is to be in a place where the presence of God is and where love and honor is happening. And so, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We know that you're already here.